Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The second edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. This is Carolina Basketball. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Michigan out of timeout. And Weber, front court, Carolina thought he traveled with it. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes a timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Now gets it away to Donald Williams, down the side to Stackhouse. Stackhouse streaking in on Park, reverse duck is good, and he gets fouled by Park. Oh my goodness, what a dunk! Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! Felton ready on his second attempt. That one is no good. They battle for it. Loose ball. Recovered Marvin. He scores! 72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Matthews off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. From HeelToughBlog.com, this is the Four Corners Podcast, featuring your host, Josh Marlowe. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you. And as I promised when we were talking about Hubert Davis the other day, we are going to look at Carolina's roster under the new head coach of the Tar Heels. As Since he's became the head coach, there's a lot of moving parts that have happened, a lot of fluidness with the roster as, as, you, as we expected. Um, and so we'll, we'll dive right in. With Armando Baycott, he is going through the NBA draft process without an agent, meaning he does have the availability to come back to college if he doesn't like what he finds out while going through the the NBA draft process. And with COVID still going on, we don't know what it's all going to entail this year. Last year, they didn't have a combine or anything like that. So interesting to see what the process will be like for Armando this season. Of course, he led the team in both scoring and rebounding a season ago. He does join Dayron Sharp as another front court player that is going through the NBA draft process. There's been a lot of talk about Dayron Sharp um, potentially being able to come back to school because his draft stock isn't where he thought it was probably going to be upon leaving. Still trying to find out and confirm if for sure if he signed with an agent or not. Of course, if he signed with an agent, he therefore forfeited his eligibility to return to college. The biggest note about this is that with the transfer of Garrison Brooks, if Armando Baycott does, in fact, stay in the NBA draft, Carolina's lost their top six post players from last season. That's that's worrisome considering last year that was the strength of this team and as we're transitioning into the Hubert Davis era. And I do believe we're going to play a more modern version of basketball you're still losing a lot of talent from what was the strength of your team 
from a season ago. So with that, you know, I, I, I don't think Armando Baycott right now is an NBA player. I think him going through the process will benefit him. But if he does stay in the NBA draft, where does Carolina go from here? All right, well, I mean, then you got to go into the transfer portal. I mean, look, you got you, you got a guy that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes out of the transfer portal, um, and Justin McCoy that we'll, we'll talk about here in a minute. But yeah, I mean, at that rate, I mean, that's about the worst case scenario that you could be looking at. And of course, you know, there is some other news that we'll touch on as well, probably in this podcast uh, around Walker Kessler. So I mean, see, that's the thing. It's just it's so confusing as to exactly where they're at. But I'm going to be honest with you. I would be stunned. I mean, look, we're, you know, with with Dayron Sharp, you know, there are people that are saying that he's, his stock is fluctuating up and down on draft boards. I'm going to be honest with you. If his stock is all over the place, people can't really figure out where they're going to put him in the first round. Some people even thinking he could maybe drop into the second round. Um, I, I, I don't see any way possible that Armando Baycott is going to make an, an, an NBA roster anytime soon. And to be really honest with you, I mean, look, if you are in the second round, I don't, I'm, I'm not somebody that's, you know, if, if I'm an NFL, an, an NFL, if I'm an NBA scout or agent or whoever is helping these guys out, if I'm being truthful, I would tell them right out, look, if you want to have a chance to play in the NBA, you don't need then it doesn't make sense for you to go. If you get drafted in the second round, you are going to more than likely have to absolutely blow people out of the water at the G League level or else you're not going to make the NBA. It's it's just that simple. So, if you're Armando Baycott, there's enough things that you can build on to where you could maybe eventually get yourself into the first round of a draft. It'll now it'll probably be the back end of the first round, but I think there's enough there's enough there with him that he could get to that point. I just don't think he's there right now. But let me be clear because it seems like a lot of people that read the article that I posted the other night didn't really get that I was conveying this as well. I don't think he's going to go to the NBA. And stay in the draft no. this year. I, I don't. I think that what he's doing is he's going, and you know he'll go through the combine, everything like that, and just get some reviews. People will tell him, in a, where, you know, where are areas he has to improve. He'll probably be able to do a couple of interviews to learn what that process is like, and then he'll return to school. This is something that the NBA does that I really like. I think the NFL is 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 some you know they need to adopt this as well. To where you get to experience what it's like, you get a a real gauge on where people feel that you're at. Not some you know some person that pretty much their job is to get you to leave college early to go and be a part of the draft. That's what these guys that give you these reviews to get you to go and enter your name into the NFL and NBA draft are there to do. I think what they do at the NBA level is the way that things should be, this is a good chance for him to just learn where he needs to improve if he wants to play at the NBA level. 
really, I think it will also help him at the college level as well because there'll be some areas of his game that maybe he didn't realize that may need a little bit of work that they'll be able to point out to him. So ultimately, I feel like it's it's going to be a good experience for Armando. I wouldn't be too nervous about him. When it comes to De'Ron Sharp, I mean, look, there's some conflicting reports out there. I feel like we thought he was pretty much all but gone, but as we've learned over the last uh, the last day or so, that may not necessarily be the case. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, for Armando Baycott, he comes back, you get your leading score, you get your, le- your leading rebounder back. He could be the centerpiece of your front court, which right now you don't have because you've lost four guys to the transfer portal and two guys that are currently in the NBA draft process. I'm not as in tune with the NBA game as I am the college game, but I can tell you this. His game right now doesn't fit what the NBA wants from a big man. So hopefully, and we saw a lot of guys do this once they adopted this rule. Joel Berry, um, Luke May, all those guys. They went through the draft process. They came back better college players. If I had to give him some advice, he still, in my opinion, needs to lose weight. Not saying that he's overweight, but he needs to lose weight, needs to get in better shape, and we need to see him display a more consistent 16- to 18-foot jump shot. He has it. He can set, he can step out and shoot that jump shot. He did it this season, but it wasn't consistent. And at the NBA level, that's what they want from their five men. If he can develop a three-point jump shot, that's even better because the NBA game is all about shooting the three-point shot. But – that's not required. It's for not fives, required. Though. For, for fives, you do want to see him be able to space the floor a little bit, but you can make a living not being able to. The thing that he did hit good outside this shots. year that we were heavy on after a freshman year, he finished through contact a lot better, could still be more consistent around the rim, but he was able to finish. He got stronger, put some more weight on, and was tougher to defend around the basket. Um, needs to become a more consistent uh, free throw shooter, but that's that's the whole Tar Heel team outside of Kerwin Walton, if we're being legitimately honest right now. Oh yeah, for sure. For um, sure. And, and so, but you're right. This process that the NBA allows their guys to do, it it it's the one thing they have right about their with their relationship with with, with the NCAA, because you allow these guys to go through the process, figure out where they stand. And then they return to college, usually better players, which makes the college product better. And when they get to the NBA, they're not underdeveloped players. And I think I think at some point the NFL will get to that. I think it's it's got to be it's got to take. I know Nick Saban's been really big on it. Hell, even Mac Brown went on it this year because a lot of our guys set up the bowl game because of their NBA or because of their NFL yep. draft stock at the time. So I do think at some point we're going to get to that with the with with the NFL and the college football game, but. Ultimately, this is a great experience for Armando Baycott. I'm with you. I think there's a greater chance that he returns to Chapel Hill for his junior season, and he can return a much better player, a much more enlightened player. And I don't. And I think people always worry about, well, if he comes back, they're coming back to improve their game to play in the NBA. I think if Hubert Davis was worried that that's why he was coming back was to improve his draft stock, there'd be a conversation had, and he would tell him like, look. You need to come back and make yourself a better play for Carolina, and then I'll take care of yourself at the NBA level. Well, the other thing is, look, I don't understand the mindset that guys coming back to improve their NBAs, like, that should be a goal of just about every player, too. Like, look, these guys, the ultimate goal for most of these guys is to make it to the NBA level. I'm not going to criticize them for that. I mean, that's what 
I mean, any sport that you're in, I don't think that a lot of those those guys go to college and say to themselves, you know what, I'm just here to you know play my play the college game, and then after that, I'm done. I mean, look at some of the best players in your program's history. Think Tyler Hansborough took that mindset? No, Tyler Hansborough wanted to go on and be successful in the NBA. He just he was he was built for the college game, and I also think his situation in Indiana wasn't great that he got drafted into at the time. But that's a different story. But that's the, I mean, you, you talk about him, talk about James Worthy, talk about Michael Jordan. Like, yeah, these guys had goals to make it to the NBA. I'm not going to criticize these guys. I think, look, Armando, there is nobody on this team, I don't think. And Roy Williams said this when, when he was talking about these guys multiple times throughout the year and even in his retirement press conference. These guys didn't want to miss shots. These guys didn't want to lose. They weren't out there saying, oh, this is great. You know, at least Dayron Sharp wasn't out there saying, well, I'm helping my draft stock, so I I think it's great that we're losing. I don't really care. I'm helping myself out. No, I don't think anybody's taking that mindset. So I, I'm not really worried about that. I think ultimately, like, you know, like I said a minute ago and like you said, this is a good opportunity for him to learn a lot about himself from these evaluators it's another set of eyes that can look at you and tell you, this is the area that I think you need to improve. And there, it's going to be multiple people telling you, so you will learn. There will be you know, a lot of people that have similar areas that you need to improve. And in your mind, that will tell you, look, this is, this is where I need to be a better player if I want to get where I want to get to or if I want to be a better player at the college level. So I, I don't see any problem with this at all. I think this is a great opportunity for him, um, and, and and we'll just we'll just have to see. But yeah, I'm I'm I will say this: if he was to stay in the NBA draft, I I don't know if I would say I wouldn't say stunned. I I would be shocked. Yeah, though. I would I would be it, that that would catch me off guard for sure. You know, you mentioned the transfer portal. We'll head there next. That was something that Hubert Davis said and he, when his opening press conference that Carolina is going to use to their advantage to add talent to the roster. And right now, he is going to have to rebuild his roster through the transfer portal. Um, you lost Garrison Brooks on Friday night. That was a decision that I think got delayed because of the retirement of Roy Williams. I think had Roy Williams not retired, I think we would have gotten this announcement a lot sooner. We've been expecting yeah. this since the season ended that Garrison Brooks was going to leave. And, you know, I put an article out, and it got a lot of uh, negative reaction from the Carolina fan base. And, you know, look, he didn't have a great senior season. Let's He, he knows that as much as we know. And I was hard as him on anybody on this podcast, on the blog, just as a Carolina fan, about his play because his level of play dropped from his junior season to a senior season. He doesn't – and he'll tell you that. He still gave us four years. He still committed to Carolina at a time that Roy Williams was having to, I'm not going to say beg to get guys to come play for him, but the NCAA was still on campus, so we were still recruiting guys that we're not used to having, having to recruit because of that, that cloud hanging over the program. And he started 108 games, did a lot of special things. His junior season was one of the best individual seasons we've ever seen from an individual player under Roy Williams, let alone, but the wins weren't there. And I, and I think that got lost in that. The expectations for him this year were, were too high. And, you know, and, and I got caught up in thinking that we were going to get the same kind of dude we got last year, when in reality, Carolina didn't need him to play like they did last year because you had a lot more depth in the front court 
and you thought your backcourt was going to be better. But this is a significant loss because, as I mentioned, that's now your fourth post player to transfer out of the program. He was a four-year senior. So if you had the chance to bring him back for a super super senior season, you'd have a guy who has 108 career starts under his belt uh, coming back for Hubert Davis's first season. I just don't get the mindset that a lot of people have that I mean, I, I saw people in the in in some of these Facebook groups that were saying that this is one of the most overrated players in program history, and I don't get that mindset at all. We remember when him and Sterling Manley came in. Neither one of those guys were really supposed to be special players. They were guys that pretty much, like you said, Carolina got those guys because they didn't really have a choice. They needed bodies. They had to go way deeper onto recruiting boards than they probably normally would have. And those were the guys that they came up with. Garrison Brooks was a guy, his first three years on campus, he improved every single year. His junior season, he played great. I know a lot of people, somebody told me, well, you know, you said he played great. Well, what was so great about his junior season? The team wasn't that good. Well, it's not his fault that he was most of the time the only guy that was playing well for... What? I mean, there was a stretch during ACC play where he was the only guy that scored in double figures for probably like like nine, ten games. He averaged I mean, 16 points and nine rebounds per game. If, if that's not playing well, I don't know what playing well I mean, is. He went nuts. We remember the game against uh, we remember the game against Georgia Tech that we were at. Took over the entire game. To be honest with you, if they don't get down 30-6 to six to start that game, they probably would have won the way that Garrison Brooks played. Also dominated in a game against Pittsburgh a couple of days later. I mean, I, I just I don't get why people just want to wipe that away from their memory and say, well, you know, he is he he is what he was as a senior, which was I mean he I mean call it what he is he he struggled as a senior. Yeah, he did. He had a lot of expectations on him coming into the season, and I, I mean, part of it, I think, is, you know, of course, COVID-19, everything like that, it was a much different season than normal. Part of it is, I just think, you know, he he, he had played so great as a junior that he just, I mean, he put everything he had into that junior season, and this was more of the guy, of him coming back to earth, being the guy that, you know, he, he kind of sort of was. Um, and, you know, I think there was a third aspect, which was the fact that you look at the two guys that he had behind him in Walker Kessler and Dayron Sharp. There is definitely there was definitely a little bit of him looking in the rearview mirror at the at the talent that was behind him and saying, look, I've got to step up, probably put a little too much pressure on himself. But, yeah, I mean, you know, especially with everything that you've lost right now. Um, and I think, see, that's the one thing that I just don't I, – I was reading, you know, some of the comments and some of the posts on social media and everything like that. Am I the only one where it seems like people – and I, there's a chance he comes back, but it feels like most people are saying, well, we don't need Garrison because we got Kessler coming back. Yeah. And it's like there's nothing guaranteed here. So I don't really understand that mindset, but we'll have to wait and see. My thing is, is look – there are people that want to put him in the same sort of group as Christian Keeling, Justin Pierce from a few years ago. Um, you know, he, he, even some of the, I, I don't know if I would say he, he would be considered on the level of Larry Drew in terms of, you know, expectations and what he actually became. But the amount of people that were saying he is, his career was a complete failure is just, I mean, it's just mind-blowing to yeah. me. Uh, moving on, K 
Carolina did miss out on Florida transfer Noah Locke. He is going to another AC, right ACC uh, foe in Louisville. And not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. I don't know how much of a player Carolina was going to be before Roy Williams retired, but I do think his retirement really set Carolina back on their chances of getting him. So um, we'll be seeing a guy that's a marksman from behind the three-point line in Louisville next season. But Hebert Davis did get his first uh, commitment in the form of Justin McCoy, a transfer from Virginia, uh, who transferred in. He picked Carolina over other ACC schools and Clemson and Wake Forest. McCoy is a product of Cary, North Carolina. Carolina actually recruited him back a little bit heading into 2019. He initially committed to Penn State before winding up with Tony Bennett's squad for the last two seasons. Career averages aren't pretty. Uh, 3.3 points, 3.5 rebounds, and just 33 career games with the Wahoos. But there is something here. He is a 6'8 forward. He brings some size. He brings some length and athleticism. And look, with Carolina right now, you don't know what your front court's going to look like next year. And Hubert Davis has been emphatically saying that they're going to play a little bit differently underneath them. They're going to have a mix of, of Dean Smith and Roy Williams's basketball philosophies, but they're also going to tweak some things and do some things different. So Carolina is going to probably play a lot smaller, a lot more often next season, getting the guy with his kind of size, his kind of length, and with three years of, of eligibility. That's the big thing here is that he has three years left. It's not just two, so he's got some time to learn and grow here. But he gives you the availability to have some, I guess, roster flexibility with on-court sets next season. Yeah, I, 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 I think without a doubt – uh, they will definitely have a more modern offense that's going to try to stretch the floor. Um, you're going to see a lot more small ball, similar to what we saw in 2019 that was successful. Uh, but the big thing is, is like we said last year during this past season, when people brought that up, that's a great idea. You got to have the right personnel to be able to run that. They did not have that right personnel last year. Well, if you're going to play small ball, you got to do two things. One of the two things really well. You either got to shoot the three well enough to live with it, or you still got to be able to rebound the ball. What made the 2019 team really good, if you go back to the end of the 2018 season when Carolina went small, their rebounding production didn't drop off. Right, right, right. So I think that's what you got to remember is that you're you're losing. Your best rebounder potentially in Dayron Sharp. Your leading rebounder potentially in Armando Baycott. Leaky Black and these guys haven't shown a willingness to go rebound the ball like a Kenny Williams, like a Cam Johnson. Those guys, Theo Pinson, that would go get to the backboard. So if Carolina's going to play smaller, you still got to rebound the ball. That's still that, that aspect of the game can't be diminished by wanting to play a more modern style. But as I mentioned, he's 6'8". A lot of teams around you are playing smaller, so his size allows you to play smaller more often. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's going to be the big thing is is can you find those guys that uh, can be sort of those multifaceted guys like Cam Johnson was. That, that's the guy, the type of guys that you're looking for. Your wings, and that's the thing. Carolina's been looking for, you know, a lot of fans have been looking for elite wings for a while. Well, now it's going to be even more crucial. And maybe that's what Dontrez Styles ends up becoming. I think there's definitely a chance that he could become that. But that's another guy where he's coming in. I think that people really think that Dontrez Styles is this superstar player that's rated inside of the top 20 in the country. 
uh, on recruiting boards. Dontre Styles is the number 61 overall prospect in the class. So while I think he has a chance to be good, while I think that uh, there, you know, when it comes to the rankings this year on recruiting sites, you have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because they haven't had as many of these showcases, as many of the opportunities for journalists to go out and see these guys. I think that, again, you need to reel in your expectations for him. But this is a guy that helps with Justin McCoy. He was in a system with Tony Bennett. Look, we know what Tony Bennett values. Tony Bennett values defense, but as we saw this past year, he, he he put up more of a focus on being able to score the ball offensively. And while he wasn't a big part of that, this is still a younger guy. Tony Bennett is, I mean, he's an old school type of guy. Tony Bennett, very similar to what we saw from Roy Williams, he values his senior players. He really does. So I think that's the biggest thing here. Now, this is another guy like this is a three-star, former three-star prospect at a high school. This is not a former five-star. So expectations here can't be huge. But I think, like you said, three years left, there's a lot of upside to him. He can stretch the floor, but he's got the size. There's a lot to like about this pickup. And the other thing is, is it it's giving you at least some front court depth. That's the main thing. That's how you've got to look at this. Could he become great? Yes, could he struggle and not live up to the expectations that some may have for him? Yes, but at the least, you're getting some more depth, which you need badly right now with the fact that you've lost. As you mentioned, there's a chance that you could lose your top six front court players from last year in terms of production. That's, I mean, that's unheard yeah. of. So it's, it's important to get these types of guys in there. Now the thing is, is... Can they go out and find these other guys? And this is the other thing, is that this is going to come in waves. There are guys right now that aren't even in the transfer portal yet that will enter that will be big names. There's still guys that haven't gotten out there yet. So, Carolina, can they get through this first wave and get Justin McCoy in, which they've already done? And then can they add Walker Kessler? That'd be a pretty good first wave if, if, if I'm Hubert Davis. Yeah, we'll focus on Walker Kessler now because, you know... <laughs> If, if, if you, granted, he was asked the question, but he went at length talking about why he wants Walker Kessler back. This It changes the feeling around the program heading into next season. You feel like if you bring him back, you're more able to compete at the top of the ACC because you're returning your whole entire backcourt. And we've seen the growth happen. That the, the growth at Carolina usually happens from your freshman and sophomore year. Well, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Kerwin Walton, Anthony Puff Johnson, and Anthony Harris will all be, or Donovan Puff Johnson, they'll all be sophomores heading into Did you say Anthony Puff Johnson? There you go. And so if you can bring back Walker Kessler, then you've got a legitimate big who was dominant in that second half part of the ACC stretch. He dominated Louisville, dominated Florida State. And you don't just dominate Florida State unless you're a really good basketball player. And look, Hubert Davis hasn't wasted any time trying to get that kid back in Chapel Hill. He talked, we had a phone conversation with him after his press conference on Tuesday. He then supposedly had another phone call with him on Wednesday. And now it's being reported that he went to Florida and had a four and a half presentation conversation with his family on vacation. And that's just the first of three presentations he has to get Walker Kessler back in Chapel Hill. So I think not only do the fan base 
not only do we want, you know, how important it is to get this kid back, I think Hubert Davis knows this is important for this team next season. And I think that's why that's his primary focus on the recruiting trail right now is to get him back. But you're going to have to beat out Gonzaga, um, and you have to beat out Auburn. Those are the two schools that are really involved with his recruitment as well. Um, but it's just it's 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 wild. We're 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 literally waiting. It's it kind of feels like Kerwin Walton last year. We're kind of we're just waiting in limbo on what this kid decides to do. But his decision to come back or or to or to stay gone really affects this team on on and off the court heading into next season. I I mean the reason that he's such a big focus. Like a lot of people have asked, well, you know, he left Carolina. Why wouldn't you just find somebody else in the transfer portal? I mean, he is easily head and shoulders the the best prospect that is left in the front court and probably was the best prospect so far this year in the front court uh, in the transfer portal. So uh, this is this would be huge because, you know, his frustrations to us, and I think to a lot of people, really didn't make a whole lot of sense um, in the fact that, you know, he wanted to play away from the basket and you know, I, I know a lot of people think that Roy Williams is, is against that. I mean, I, I don't think that was necessarily the case. I so mean, look what he did with Luke May. Like, Luke May was allowed to play away from the basket because he proved himself as an away from the basket player. My, my question, and look, we didn't see this from him last year, and we're not as in tune with the recruiting in terms of what he did at the high school level. If he wants to play away from the, from the basket, that's great. He didn't display a jump shot that was worthy of him stepping out from behind the three-point line and shooting the ball. I agree with that. My other question with him playing away from the basket is this. Do you have the the ability, like a Hunter Dickinson, Wagner from Michigan, Drew Timmy, Corey Kispert from Gonzaga, those are forward players that can play on the wing, that can initiate their offense, they can make the they can, they can read the defense and make the right passes, but can also put the ball on the floor and get the get to the basket off the dribble. The only time we saw Walker Kessler dribbling the ball was in the open court with nobody in front of him. It's easy to make that to 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 do that very well, but when you're in a half court setting, can you do that? And I think that's I think that's the thing when Hubert Davis says we're going to play a different. I think it starts right there. I still think he wants to play with at least one or even two bigs. Michigan plays with two bigs. Gonzaga plays with two bigs. But they're guys that can but, step out and stretch But it's the floor. a four-round yeah. one, and that big guy can initiate your offense. Well, I mean, the guy, like, okay. So, I don't know if Walker Kessler can initiate offense. So Gonzaga is is different. That's your modern bigs. Corey Kispert and Drew Timmy were your modern bigs because they're, I mean, they're not your tanks inside. Um, but, I, I mean, yeah, they're two guys that have length. They can rebound the ball well. But, yeah, both of those guys can step out and knock down shots. And we saw it from Drew Timmy in the Final Four game against UCLA. That dude has some killer post moves. I mean, he his footwork is great. Those are the types of guys that you're looking for. And I, I think that there are those types of guys out there. I think Walker Kessler could be that guy. But I think the thing that hurt Walker Kessler the most was the fact that he entered in the weirdest season that you could enter as a freshman. 
you did not have a normal offseason by any stretch of the imagination. Normally, you would be able to come in, you sort of learn the system, you learn what it's like to be a college student, and then as you're getting ready to enter the sprint to the finish in terms of of the opening of, of fall practice for the basketball program, that's where you settle in and you start to see if you can climb the depth chart. That didn't happen last year. They came in later than normal, and remember, you weren't on the court as often as you as you were used to. You weren't in the weight room as often as you were used to. And so I think things got, you know, sort of out of sorts. And then remember for him, he missed a majority of the end of of preseason practice because he was in COVID-19 protocol. So I think that really hurt him as well um, in terms of him being able to play early. Uh, we talked, you know, I talked about it on, was it the last edition? Or I've talked about it a couple of times on the podcast where I think it hurt his stamina as well. You could tell that there were times where he was just, he was he was beat out He was gassed. So, you know, I, I think if he comes back in high school, from from what I heard when they, when he, from people that cover the recruiting stuff a little bit closer than we do, he did have a jump shot in high school. He could step out and knock down shots. It's, you know, as we've seen, even with most of the guards, it's about finding confidence. Remember, Andrew Playtech was brought in because he could shoot the three in high school. Andrew Playtech, in his four years at Carolina, hasn't shot the three well. So there's no guarantee that that's going to translate over. That's one of the reasons why I think there was some hesitancy to allow him to stretch the floor as often as maybe he probably wanted. And the other thing about it was, and we've said this, and I I know, know any of the talking heads around the Charlotte area here, from when I've talked to them, They've told me pretty much the same thing. He was so good inside late in the year that why wouldn't you want to put him yeah. on the block? He was seven one and he was dominating. Like so, I, I think that if he comes back, this system it, it can work for him. There's going to be some tweaks that may allow him to do some more of the things that he wants. Um, but I mean, look, ultimately it's up to him. If he doesn't come back, then Carolina's got to go out and find other guys that can fit what they're going to want to do going forward. Um, and those guys will be out there, but I, I, it would be huge to bring him back because I don't see anybody else right now in the transfer portal that has his his skill set and pure talent combination out there right now. And, that, and Carolina that, would really love to have that back. You know, and, and you're talking about finding those guys. Carolina, with the transfer of Garrison Brooks, they've got five scholarships available at this moment. So we'll touch on recruiting, and we'll tie this into how does he actually fill his roster. The good news is that since the, the the news of Hubert Davis being hired as the head coach, Carolina's two commits in the 2021 class, DeMarco Dunn, Dontres Stiles, are currently staying with their commitment, and we don't intend them to ask for a you know for a to release their their letter of intent and go elsewhere to play college basketball. So that's that's really big. That's that's probably one of the reasons why Hubert Davis got the job because he has established relationships with the recruits that they have right now. And Bubba Cunningham knows how important recruiting is um, in, in this current climate. A big thing that's came out since he's gotten the job, and now granted, look, I think it's because he's focused on putting together a staff, trying to get Walker Kessler back, and really just adjusting to becoming the head coach of Carolina. He still has an offer in state product, and from the Charlotte area, Jonas Adu a guy that uh, could really help this team moving forward and, and down the road. He's 
He's, I believe he is a five-star recruit, but he's not a one-and-done five-star. He is a guy that you would believe, unless he had a outstanding first season in college basketball, it's going to take him two to three years to develop a game before he's ready to go to the NBA. As I mentioned, seen him in person when we did the bash last December in Columbia. He's got a lot of upside. He's got a, you know, he's he's got a, he's really tall. He's really long. He's put on some weight. But with Carolina's front court in disarray at the moment, I don't understand how he's not been offered a scholarship. Yeah, I mean, I I think that one of the things that they're wanting to do is sort of get through the Walker Kessler decision and then they'll go from there with a do because I think what Hubert may want to do is if they get Walker back in there tell him look this is the situation that you're walking into basically trying to avoid what happened with Walker Kessler where he will tell him right out look Walker Kessler is going to play ahead of you if Armando Baycott comes back he's going to play ahead of you so you need to you know we, we want you here we think that what you do fits what we want to do. But these are the guys that are here. Do you want do, do you want to take on this challenge? And I think that's where they're getting to. The other part of it is that since he has decommitted from Marquette, I think he may have received two offers. I know he got one the other day from Oklahoma. But this is not a guy where he decommitted and all of a sudden here comes Kentucky here comes Duke, here comes whatever. It wasn't all of a sudden a bunch of teams came out of nowhere and started offering the guys. So I think you've got a little bit of time. And, and the other thing is, is look, they haven't reported this. Maybe they just haven't talked to them a lot about this because they've been focused on Walker Kessler. They've been focused on Justin McCoy, guys like that. They're, I haven't you know seen anything to report that they haven't been talking to Jonas Adu. So maybe they are talking to him. And saying, look, you know, we're 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 getting there, um, you know, we're we're and just keeping sort of a, a an an ear to the situation and sort of feeling feeling out where where they're at with him. I mean, that's the other thing is I feel like a lot of people assume that if they offer him a scholarship, he's automatically going to commit. We don't, to be honest with you, we don't really know a whole lot about him. He's not an extremely vocal guy on social media. This isn't a guy where you've had recruits in the past where, yeah, you could look through them on, on social media, tell, okay, this guy grew up following Toriel basketball. This guy watches all the games, whatever. You offer this guy a scholarship, he's committing on the spot. You don't really get that feel from a dude because he's just not all that involved on social media, and that's how some of the guys are. So... You know, I think Carolina will eventually get around to it. I do think that he is going to be a guy that Carolina will offer at some point. Um, but I think, again, it's right now I think they're waiting to see what happens with Kessler, and then they'll go from there when it comes to offering a dude just so that they have you know, a, a clear understanding of this is the situation that you would be walking into. Do you want to walk into this? You know, you make a really good point. With that being said, his recruitment shouldn't hinder on whether you bring Walker Kessler back or not because you're still going to need talent in the front court. You're still going to need depth in the front court. So at some point, you've got to make up your mind if that's a guy you want to seriously consider. And look, he's an in-state product. You'd hate to see him go somewhere else for a second time after committing already to an out-of-state school in Marquette, going somewhere else 
and being a successful player. As I mentioned, you got five available scholarships, but we're still in the process of Hubert Davis assembling his final staff. We do know that he did not retain Kendall Marshall. He did promote Sean May to a bench spot. And with that decision to promote Sean May onto the bench, the consensus is that he is your lead recruiter right now outside of Hubert Davis, of course. Hubert Davis isn't Roy Wimps. He doesn't have that reputation on the recruiting trail where he can where he can send the assistants out to go recruit. He was he's gonna have to recruit for probably his first four to five years heavily back as he's as he's becoming the head coach of Carolina. So with that in being said, and look the recruiting cycle, I think it's extended because of COVID, but it's still you're still winding down. The recruiting cycle for basketball usually ends in some time in May. It's already the the second full week of April. Is the focus right now? So the focus should be on bringing in transfers or building relationships with guys. Maybe that's not going to get this year because of how much work you got to do in about a month and a half. But building relationships going into next year and beyond. I mean, it's it's interesting because I know that there have been a lot of people that are more closely tied to some of these basketball programs, especially some of these bigger basketball programs that have said that there are a lot of older coaches in specific, but I think really just big school coaches that are right now saying they would prefer to probably go transfer portal instead of going on the recruiting trail. Because when you go on the recruiting trail to get these guys, especially these guys that are inside of really the top 50 in the country now, if get if they don't receive the role that they want on your team, they will be looking to leave that program as soon as the season is over, some of them possibly earlier. So it, it, it's it's interesting. I think it's a balance, especially with the situation that you're in right now at Carolina where you not only need talent, you also need experience on your team because of all the guys that you have lost. So I think that's the thing. Carolina's kind of got to balance it out. Um, in terms of like them being extremely aggressive on this recruiting trail, they've got one target left on this recruiting trail, if, if that, and that's a do. I don't think there's anybody else right now that they are really looking at. Um, I, I, the name is slipping me right now of the guy that was an in-state point guard that decommitted. Um, that they are, they they that a lot of people wanted them to take a look at, at one time. Um, but I I know that there are, you know there there are a lot of people that think you know look they need to be focusing on the recruiting trail. I mean to be honest with you, there just aren't a ton of guys left out there. I, I mean you, like you said, you're getting late in this recruiting window. So yeah, I mean it's important to establish those relationships going forward. Oh Bobby Pitford, but he already committed to Kansas. That's yeah. right. Um. So yeah, I, I I mean I think right now you know you're you've got your focus on on a do on the recruiting trail. I think you're you're definitely keeping up with him. That scholarship offer will hopefully come soon, and then uh, you can pretty much turn your full focus in terms of building this year's team on that transfer portal. Now I do think that when they go to the transfer portal, this isn't going to be like the last few years where. You got, I mean, look, Cam Johnson was a two-year guy, but outside of that, you've really gotten one-year stopgap guys to come in and help you out. That will not be the focus here. There are younger guys that are in the transfer portal that can help you and that can build themselves up in your program that fit what you want, then they will go get those guys. Yeah, because so, you got, you got to avoid the mistakes like you, you committed, bringing in Christian Keeling, 
bringing in Justin Pierce because those guys only not only do they not fit, they were just here for one guy or for one year. That's the thing about right. with McCoy right, right, and right. some of these other guys is that you have the avail- uh, the option now to bring in players that can be here for two to three years. And with even with the extra year granted by the NCAA, you can get players that can be here for the next four years. And look, you can build your team to be successful that way. Eric Musselman is doing that at Arkansas. He's done that when he was at Nevada, and he just took that program to the Elite Eight, just landed Chris Likes from Miami earlier this week, a guy that we've seen give Carolina fits, give the ACC fits. So I do think you got, you know, that's that, that option is open to you. But unlike with Pierce and with Keeling, you've got to do your due diligence. You've got to bring in the right guys that fit what you want to do, that fit Carolina, and they're not just one-year stop guys. But as you mentioned, this this is this is part of the reason why Roy Williams ultimately retires because the way that the college athletics landscape is right now, it's tricky. And it's it's going to affect the Coach K's, the Jim Bayheims, the Tom Izzo's, not necessarily Bill Self or John Calipari, but some of these older coaches, it, it is going to affect how their programs run until they ultimately retire. So um, that's why Hubert Davis ultimately got the job is because Bubba Cunningham and the Board of Trustees believe he's the right guy to navigate Carolina basketball during this you know unsettling time of college athletics. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We'll let you go. Get you guys over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where we've had you covered with all the basketball news that have come out of Chapel Hill with the last week or so. Go there right now to read about Garrison Brooks transfer, Justin McCoy's commitment, um, the assistant coaches. Carolina did miss out on King Rice, so you can read about other potential candidates on there as well as Hubert Davis is trying to assemble his staff on the football side of things. We are getting you ready for the spring game, which is coming up in less than two weeks. Anthony's got as much as he can give you with Clovis practices still being closed to the public as of right now. So we're getting you ready for the spring game, which we will be in attendance for, and we'll have full coverage of that once that commences on April 24th. We have, for the time being, paused coverage of the baseball program as of right now with just so much going on with the basketball program and the football team. Kind of hard to get baseball uh, updates up there. So with that, if anyone is interested they want to come join the Heel Tough blog writing team and write about Carolina baseball, just reach out to Anthony or myself at Heel Tough or, or at HTB Josh on Twitter or for him, HTB Anthony. We'll greatly appreciate that and we'll give you a great opportunity to write about Carolina baseball. And last, we encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Rating and reviewing allows us to climb up the, uh, the the podcast boards and allow people that aren't a member of the now Four Corners podcast room to join the family. But we ultimately want you guys to subscribe. That way you get every podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, with that, I do want to thank Anthony for taking some time out of his Masters Sunday as Roy Williams is somewhere smiling watching the greatest golf tournament commence to talk a little Carolina basketball. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!